0: Welcome to another episode of the Here with You podcast. It's Ford here with John, as usual. It's been a while since we've posted. I've uh, took a little hiatus to get married and move and all this stuff, and finally getting everything set back up where I can record. And what we've been thinking about the focus today was kind of centered around being salt and light. And there's a lot of things going on in the news right now or things that might be affecting specifically for like John, things going on in school with his kids that the world's trying to put on us that we don't necessarily believe or applies to what God teaches. And so we're kind of centering around the idea of the salt and the light. And the verse that I looked at for that was Matthew 5, 13 and 14. that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. And what kind of sparked that conversation for me was like, we've been talking about in my church, the book of Isaiah and all his prophe- prophecies about trying to get them to trust God and follow his will for uh, Israel and how that kind of applies to us today. And I see when the world or things of this world come against Christianity. Like there was a boycott against Chick-fil-A, like maybe I guess five years ago now. And it, to me, that was an opportunity for us to really talk about what we believe as Christians and to share the gospel and to be the salt and, and salt is what preserves things and makes things last. And so I, I just wanted it to, this kind of be a talk about how we can be that salt in the in the world, but also not be kind of passive about it where we're just kind of ignoring things as well. So I don't know if that kind of sets us up.
1: Yeah. yeah absolutely. I mean, I think context we live in America, right? And we live in an age in America where things are politicized. Where it seems like not really to to get anything accomplished, but almost to weaponize things, to upset and anger so that the reaction is anger, is maybe even just a polarization, a, a hatred for the opposite side. And I think that that's kind of what's happening in a lot of things is if it can be politicized and weaponized, it's going to be used. And then the reaction from the other side just fuels fire to the argument. And before you know it, nobody's really listening to one another because they're just fighting to be heard. And I think that Christians in the church have on some instances been baited into it or have almost like listening to the message from from your pastor and, and talking about Isaiah and, you know, talking about the prophets and, you know, even the apostles and where they stood, that our job as the church is simple, but it is, it is a hard task and that's to stick to the gospel, right? The gospel doesn't, it doesn't stand up with a pitchfork and it doesn't get angry. And it doesn't, it doesn't argue. The gospel speaks for itself, right? It says that Jesus is the word and that the word has always been there and that God really promotes us just to stand on the truth and let the truth stand for itself, right? Because it is eternal and it will always be. And I think that Even myself, like when I hear and see things that might be implemented into the school systems with my children, my initial reaction as a parent is, is a little, it's anger, you know, how dare they, why would they, this can't be, this shouldn't be. And I'm reminded that to stand on the truth is to believe in God and that God has already made provision and that, you know, he just calls us to be obedient and to trust in him. So I think just a little bit of context there with, I think how we got to where we are is it's this polarization, one side versus the other people screaming to be heard. And as Christians and as the church, we are probably too ready to hop on that angry train and just be a screaming voice and forget what the gospel and what the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, because it's telling the same story in, in the, through the beginning to the end and how that's just asking us to stand on the truths of God and to be obedient and to to heed the call when he asks us to go where he asks us to go and to just trust in him that when the time comes, the the truth will speak for itself and that we don't need a pitchfork to defend God. You know, we don't need our anger and our shouting to defend God because God speaks for himself.
0: Yeah. You touched on like how the gospel speaks for itself and God speaks for himself and we don't have to feel like we need to defend God, but that also doesn't mean like we don't have to stand for God. Like we can still present what we believe, but in a way that would actually be heard, if we're just shouting to be heard and we're not even listening to what the other side's presenting in a way that allows us to be heard. It keeps the gospel from being heard and shared. That makes sense. And, And, and I think, like you said, we were getting kind of baited into responding in a way that they know that will respond and i think if we go to say something's going on in school, we go to a pta meeting but then we present our belief in a way that is like necessarily is like empathetic to the other side but also presents what we believe in a way that's not like what you typically see it's just just outrage and it's not coherent at all. Um, I think we need to kind of like, when these things come up, just take a step back and be like, what is God? Like, what is your willingness? Like, what, do what, do, how do I allow? How do I live for you in this moment and, and speak up? for you, but allow your your voice to speak through me. If that makes,
1: yeah. And uh, I think it's important to and to 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 look into God's word for those answers. You know, because because you're absolutely correct. It seems like a lot of times God asks us things asks things of us that seem like it's not going to fit into the puzzle that is the world, right? It just doesn't seem like it's going to, they're not going to accept it. They're not going to want to hear it. And I think it's important when we look in the word, what we see, and I think, what was the the pastor's name from your church who who was presenting that message?
0: It was our associate pastor, Lyle.
1: Okay. I think maybe, you know, if you could put a link on the site or something maybe where other people can visit it. Cause I think it was, it was a pretty awesome message. And one thing that I took away was that when Isaiah was prophesying that he didn't go out into the world, he didn't go to the Gentiles and preach this message. No, he first turned inward to the nation of Israel, which I think it's cool how he, Pastor Lyle drew those parallels of the, the nation of Israel being, you know, a a synonym to, to, the church right of what it would become with god's covenant in the old testament with israel and with his new testament through the church but remembering that he didn't go out and go to the gentiles and preach this message of turn to god because you're living you know a sinful life no he he went to the nation of israel first he went to god's chosen people who knew better who knew how they should be acting and just spoke what was being convicted on his heart which was a cry from God, which was, I love you too much to see you acting this way. You know better than this. This is what I have commanded. And it wasn't a popular message in his time, just as with the apostles. You look at Paul and the establishment of the church, any of his letters that were condemning of actions within the church were letters to the church. He didn't while he did go out and preach to the Gentiles, and I, I kind of want to touch on that a little bit more later, really the epistles that he wrote were, were to establish the norms of what God expected of his church, how he expected them to behave, how he expected them to have a you know, vertical relationship with him, seeking him, what that looks like. And, and that's important to delineate too, is that in the word that it first starts with the prophets and the apostles looking inwardly at Israel as the nation of God set apart by God and the church, which is God's Christ's bride, you know, it's set aside from the world. And that's what these, you know, what they're looking at is how do we inwardly have this relationship that God expects from us? And what expectations should we set for ourselves? So I think that's important too. So this is kind of how the church needs to deal with the church first and foremost, and and what this looks like. So I think that's important to note, And then transitioning into, well, if we want to know what it looks like, or what God expects from us, When we encounter the world or when we're going out presenting the gospel, you know, what does this look like? Paul is the perfect example. And if you look in just in Acts 16, 17, and 18, it gives this journey that he takes on his second kind of missionary journey. And it looks like, you know, at what did it look like as he went into these individual towns? How is he accepted? How did they accept what he did and what was it that he was doing? How did he do it? And, you know, that's something that I would, I want to touch on a little bit today. Is there anything that you can, before we kind of dive into that a little bit, anything that you would want to add?
0: No, that's, that's good. If you want to go into that.
1: Okay. So when we look at Paul in chapter 16 of Acts, He is tempted, or there's something in him that kind of wants to go a different direction. He almost wants, you know, he wants to go into Asia, and God stops him on more than one occasion. And then God gives him a vision, right? He has this dream where there's a man in, in Macedonia, and he's like crying out for help. He's crying for Paul to come and help him. And Paul takes this dream as a vision of God, and they go. So the first thing I think there is. As the church, I think this is saying that we're tempted to go a lot of ways that God doesn't want us to go, that maybe we think that we know what's best when it comes to presenting the gospel, or maybe we want to set our own path when it comes to presenting the gospel, because maybe we, we think we know better, or maybe we think we know better how that puzzle is going to fit together, right? When we talk about being afraid to do things because we're afraid that what we say or do won't fit into the world. You know, so this idea that, well, if we do it this way, God, then they'd probably be more accepting. But the truth is, is that God has set aside a specific path that he wants us to take because he knows what's ahead. Right. So just in that little bit right there, I think it's important to note that sometimes as the church, we want to go a different direction that God's calling us. So it's important to make sure that, that we, are praying for the ears that that can hear God's voice and that we're praying for a heart of obedience so that when he asks us to do something that maybe doesn't look or feel right that we're willing to go because I think that that's what's God God is asking us is to be obedient to him and what happens he goes to Thessalonica he preaches the gospel he preaches that Jesus is the messiah um I'm sorry. He actually, he goes to Philippi first, which is in Macedonia. And he meets at the river bank, uh, uh, Lydia, who is converted, who her whole family gets baptized. So he actually runs into success when he is listening to God, even though maybe he didn't think he would, or maybe he thought that the need would be somewhere else. So we see right there, the immediate returns of what happens when we're actually being obedient and we're listening and we're, we're listening for God to call us where he needs us to be. And then even from there, he, that's after Philippi, he goes to Thessalonica, preaches the gospel. There's an individual in there named Jason, who is actually taken into custody because the people of that town have pretty much told the governor that, Hey, this guy's actually listening to Paul. He's, he's, he's abating him. And we see that Paul gets out of trouble and so does Jason. He's released. But the thing is, is that, again, he's being obedient. And when he's being obedient, he finds that the gospel doesn't fall on dead ears, that those who are meant to hear and receive are receiving it. And through that, what's happening is, is people are giving their lives to Jesus. And when that happens, we know that that has a transforming effect. We know that that has a way of renewing us. So we see more benefits when Paul is obedient and he and he's on, you know, that mission, but actually taking a step back in chapter 16, we also see that he was jailed for preaching the gospel that he was beaten severely. And we know the story of the jailer where with the earthquake and their shackles were released and the jailer was terrified and Paul came to him and says, don't worry, you know, we're still here. And in that, moment, the jailer accepts Christ and his whole family is transformed. So again, it's this, if we're obedient, maybe things don't always go the way that we anticipated, but through that obedience, God allows there to be transformation in other people's lives. Those individuals who needed to hear the gospel, those who needed to be impacted by Jesus, when we are obedient Things might not fit together the way that we want. And I'm sure for Paul, he didn't want to be beaten within an inch of his life. But yet we see at midnight that same day that he is singing hymns, that he is praying to God. And we're seeing this obedience in action that despite things not going the way that he had anticipated, that God was still there with provision, that God was still there seeking out the hearts of the lost. and. That is, I think, very important to take away is that when we're obedient to God and we are just going and preaching the gospel, which at the end of the day, that that's what the world needs. It needs to hear the gospel and that that is what the church is meant to do, is to resound the gospel. And and if
0: they hear the gospel, then hopefully like they would... And not, their minds get, would be renewed. Yeah, so so we're trying to like force people to change to our will versus presenting God's will. So.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and two, it <laughs> while the gospel is going out, there are going to be people who refute it. There will be people who deny it. There will be people trying to snuff it out, trying to kill God's word. It, I mean, that's what the Bible tells us about the world is that they are, you know, they're out to kind of destroy that light that we are, that we're making we're trying to show to the world and things aren't always going to go our way and things aren't always going to be smooth and that there will be forces that come against us. But I think even in those moments, the important thing in the word that we're learning is that even, or maybe even especially in those moments, how important it is to check ourselves and make sure that our pride isn't kicking in. Because I can tell you, if I preached the gospel and was thrown into jail, I'd probably be pretty upset. And I would probably start screaming about my civil rights and my civil liberties, right? And... You know, we live in a country where we have those things, but at the same time, we see here that even in those moments that rather than grabbing the pitchfork, rather than getting angry, rather than exercising what we think to be justified, you know, Christian anger, maybe we should be looking to make sure that we're still, you know, holding on and exercising that light within us, which is trusting in God. And that even when these things don't seem to fit right, that God is still in control and that we're still relying on him for our strength, right? So also adding that, that we are to preach the gospel when it's comfortable and when it's uncomfortable, and that if we find ourselves in uncomfortable positions when preaching the gospel, that we are to rely on God. I had a similar (laughs) talk with my son actually the other day where he was upset about something where he got in trouble for something that his little brother did. And he really felt like he shouldn't have been in trouble. And I got to have this conversation with him about how sometimes we feel like there's been an injustice done to us. And that in those moments that this is where integrity is built, right? That even though we feel like we have been wronged, it is our duty to do the right thing. It's not to reward evil with evil. It's not to be so upset that we just try to justify ourselves, but that we rely on God in knowing that he sees everything, that he knows every justice and injustice, and that he does seek to, to bring justice to those situations. But when those become too heavy, you know, when those become so weighted on us, that this is where our relationship with God really should flourish in that we need to go tell him how we feel, We need to go tell him that we feel like we've been done wrong because when we speak to him, he speaks back. He gives us strength. He lets us know that he sees us in that position and that we are not alone and that he wishes to be with us and to strengthen us back up. So it's like in those moments is where we really are able to strengthen our relationship with God when things aren't going our way. So I think that that is, uh, a pretty good layout of we are to preach the gospel. We are to preach the gospel even when it's uncomfortable and that when it gets uncomfortable or it gets uneasy, or we feel like we are walled in, that this is where we are defined as Christians in that vertical relationship that we have with God and how we are seeking him for strength, how we're seeking him for answers, and that this is that back and forth relationship that he wants. I've got one thing that I want to add here, and that's when we get to chapter 18 uh, with Paul's journey here, with his second missionary journey, and when Paul gets to Corinth, and he is preaching the gospel, and he does make friends with Priscilla and Aquila, so we kind of have that side of the gospel that we love to see, where people are being converted and Jesus is changing the lives of people. You know, as Christians, that's what we, we, we seek and what we want. But it says that many opposed him, laughed at him. And his reaction to that was he brushed the dust off of his clothes. And there's a portion there where Jesus, it says the spirit of the Lord, and it's highlighted in red. So this is straight from Jesus. He says, don't be afraid, speak out. Don't be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack and harm you, for many people in this city belong to me. And what that says is that that Jesus is saying, it's worth it. It is worth it. Those times where you are going to be beaten and jailed, and you're going to be brought before people for the things that you've done in my name, it is worth it. Do not be afraid when those things come against you because your brethren are there. My children are there. And what God needs is his church to be obedient and focus on the gospel. Focus on the truth and the word because people need to hear the gospel. People need to know that they are forgiven for their sins. People need to know that there is a loving God who loved them so much that he sent his only son, his only son, who was perfect, who did nothing wrong, but yet he died a death, a sinner's death, one that I deserve, one that that you deserve. But yet he took that punishment for us because he loves us and because he was obedient to the father, because he knew the work of the father. And he said, it's worth it it's worth it. And he wants us to reflect this same attitude of knowing that what we have is so precious and that it's worth any kind of pain that the world might bring us, that it's it's worth any kind of threats that the world might make to us, that, that it is worth it because there are individuals who God loves and wants to reach through us.
0: Yeah, that was... Good stuff there.
1: It's the gospel. (laughs) It is. It's the gospel. and It's true.
0: (laughs) I think to kind of sum up, we got to have like a long-term view of like when versus a short-term reaction. And I guess all we got for today, if you want to close this out. Yeah, I can go. Okay. Dear goddess, thank you for bringing us back together to talk about this topic. Let's pray that uh, anyone listening might feel angry about what's going on in the world. feel at loss as what, what to do about it. But, but they say they follow you, that they really search for your will in, in what they're going through and seek you to lead them and over them or to find answers in your word and and to be able to be that city on the hill and stand up and um, be the light up to the world and let the world see who you really are and, and what you have to bring is greater than what anything the world can ever bring in jesus name amen amen amen